Ezra chapter 6. King Darius then issued an order and they searched in the archives stored in the treasury at Babylon. A scroll was found in the citadel of uh, Ecbatana in the province of Medea and this was written on it, memorandum. In the first year of King Cyrus, the king issued a decree concerning the temple of God in Jerusalem. Let the temple be rebuilt as a place to present sacrifices and let its foundations be laid. It is to be 60 cubits high and 60 cubits wide with three courses of large stones and one of timber. The costs are to be paid by the royal treasury. Also the gold and silver articles of the house of God which Nebuchadnezzar took away from the temple in Jerusalem and brought to Babylon are to be returned to their places in the temple in Jerusalem. They are to be deposited in the house of God. Now then, Tatanai, governor of Transcuphrates, and Shethar Bozanai, and you other officials of that province, stay away from there. Do not interfere with the work on this temple of God. Let the governor of the Jews and the Jewish elders rebuild this house of God on its site. Moreover, I hereby decree that what you are to do for these elders of the Jews in the construction of this house of God, their expenses are to be fully paid out of the royal treasury from the revenues of Trans-Euphrates so that the work will not stop. Whatever is needed, young bulls, rams, male lambs for burnt offerings to the God of heaven, and wheat, salt, wine, and olive oil, as requested by the priests in Jerusalem, must be given to them daily, without fail, so that they may offer sacrifices pleasing to the God of heaven and pray for the well-being of the king and his sons. Furthermore, I decree that if anyone defies this edict, a beam is to be pulled from their house and they are to be impaled on it. And for this crime, their house is, is to be made a pile of rubble. May God, who has caused his name to dwell there, overthrow any king or people who lifts a hand to change this decree or destroy this temple in Jerusalem. I, Darius, have decreed it. Let it be carried out with diligence. Then, because of the decree King Darius had sent, Tatanai, governor of Trans-Euphrates, and Shethar Bazanai and their associates carried it out with diligence. So the elders of the Jews continued to build and prosper under the preaching of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah, a descendant of Ido. They finished building the temple according to the command of the God of Israel and the decrees of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, kings of Persia. The temple was completed on the third day of the month Adar in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. Then the people of Israel, the priests, the Levites, and the rest of the exiles celebrated the de dedication of the house of God with joy. 
For the dedication of this house of God, they offered a hundred bulls, 200 rams, 400 male lambs, and as a sin offering for all Israel, 12 male goats, one for each of the tribes of Israel. And they installed the priests in their divisions and the Levites in their groups for the service of God at Jerusalem, according to what is written in the book of Moses. On the 14th day of the first month, the exiles celebrated the Passover. The priests and Levites had purified themselves and were all ceremonially clean. The Levites slaughtered the Passover lamb for all the exiles, for their relatives, the priests, and for themselves. So the Israelites who had returned from the exile ate it, together with all who had separated themselves from the unclean practices of their Gentile neighbors, in order to seek the Lord, the God of Israel. For seven days they celebrated with joy the festival of unleavened bread, because the Lord had filled them with joy by changing the attitude of the king of Assyria so that he assisted them in the work on the house of God, the God of Israel. Um, if you've been here for a while, you may remember that last year I was preaching quite regularly. This year, not quite so much uh, because we've, we've appointed a new pastor. Can I just say publicly what a great blessing David and his family are? And I'm delighted that an old guy can pass on the reins to a younger guy. You're a great blessing and we thank the Lord for you and your family. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord our God, that you are good, you are gracious, that you are loving, that you are mighty, you are holy, you are everlasting, and your watchful eye is upon us. Lord, we thank you for that. Be with us this morning, Lord God, as we, as we study your word. Father, I pray that you'd help me to, to teach clearly, help us all to have ears to hear and hearts to respond to the, the living word of the living God. Be with us now, Lord God, we pray for your glory and honor. Amen. Got a slight buzz on the amplifier there. Um, so, Ezra chapter 6, great joy. Great joy is what we, what we want. A couple of weeks ago, Lynn and I went shopping. When we got home, we put the shopping away, and then I, I made a cup of tea, as you do. Next morning, Lynn came downstairs, and she said, why didn't you put all the shopping away? There's a bag full over there by the fridge. What, what happened? And then she said in a very accusing voice, you were watching the kettle, weren't you? You were watching the kettle, at which point I, I, I turned slightly red, not very much, but slightly red, and admitted my guilt. But the, but the thing is, who wouldn't be distracted by a kettle like this? Because you see, while we've been out shopping for groceries, we bought a new kettle. And this new kettle is just the coolest kettle in the world. When you turn it on, it, it has a green LED light round the bottom. But then as the water gets a little bit warmer, then it turns blue. When it's near to boiling point, it reaches purple. And then when it's, 
when it's boiling, you get this glorious red light. Now, it's, it's not so clear in, in this picture, but I, I turned the lights off. And it's just this, this, this fantastic volcano of boiling red Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that the coolest kettle you've ever seen? Oh, thank you, Neil. I got a round of applause over here. Yeah, yeah, you're quite right as well. Now, I, 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 yeah, I, I was distracted. I didn't put the shopping away because it, it was just—it was just so wonderful to see that this, this this kettle. I love it. It brought me such joy watching the colours change from one to another in this mad cauldron, this volcano of burning red water. Trouble is, one day the kettle's going to break down. One day the lights are going to stop flashing. One day the heating element at the bottom is going to break down. And it won't boil anymore. Because when we try and find our joy in the things of this world, particularly the things that we can buy, we're always going to be let down. We're always going to be let down because ultimately these things, even the coolest kettle in the world, these things were never meant to give us lasting joy. They were never designed to bring us lasting joy. Only God can do that. Only God can give us lasting joy. And the children of Israel in chapter 6 will find that only God can give them the everlasting joy as they focus on him and worship him. So we'll look at today's teaching under two, two titles. The finished Passover brings, sorry, the finished temple brings joy and the Passover brings joy. So the finished temple brings them great joy. The story so far, if you haven't been with us for the last few weeks, the story so far is that in the year 586 BC, God had the children of Israel, the children of Judah, exiled by the baddies in the north called the Babylonians as a punishment for their failure to worship God and their direct disobedience to him. They lived as slaves up in Babylon in the north, but 50 years later, the king of Persia, the, the nation that took over Babylon, King Cyrus of Persia, he issued a decree that anybody who wanted to return to their former lands and rebuild the temple could do so. They're welcome. Off you go. So nearly 50,000 slaves left their homes in Babylon to go down into Judah to do this incredibly complex, difficult job of rebuilding the temple and restoring the Jewish community in the land that God had given them. Because if they did, did they, this satisfactorily, then their deepest joy in God himself would be restored as they saw him and his mighty hand working to bless them. After a journey of about four months, they, they arrived in Jerusalem and they started rebuilding the foundations of the temple. But then things ground to a halt. They faced oppositions by by some officials who weren't happy with what they're doing. So come with me, please, to chapter 5 of Ezra. If you've got a Bible, uh, chapter 5, at the very end, verse 17, it says, Now if it pleases the king, let a search be made in the royal archives of Babylon to see if King Cyrus did, in fact, issue a decree to rebuild this house of God in Jerusalem. Then 
let the king send his decision uh, to us on this matter. And so in chapter 6, King Darius issued an order and they searched in the archives stored in the, the treasury at Babylon and a scroll was found in the citadel of Akdabana in the province of Menia and this is what was written on it. In the first year of King Cyrus, the king issued a decree concerning the temple of God in Jerusalem. So the scroll is found King Cyrus did, in fact, give permission for the temple to be rebuilt. Excellent. The scroll was found. Confirmation has been received. Can I tell you something incredibly, wonderfully interesting? That not only the, well, the scroll of King Cyrus has been lost, but the cylinder of King Cyrus has been found. This, that's the scroll. A scroll. This is the Cyrus cylinder. This was found in 1879 in Babylon, and it's it's one of the most celebrated artifacts from the ancient world. This Cyrus cylinder records the conquest of Babylon by the Persians, and it records how King Darius, how, sorry, how, how King Cyrus permitted those who'd been deported, namely the Jews, that they may return to their land. Isn't it wonderful when the, the Bible is given, is, is backed up by real history? The, the, these are real events that we're, we're studying. This is, this is not Winnie the Pooh. These are real events in history and backed up by archaeological discoveries. This, this, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. This, uh, this Cyrus cylinder is on display in the British Museum in London. It is worth going to see. There are books published through the Bible in the British Museum. They've got tons of Bible artifacts there. It's worth going. And if I can uh, be, be cheeky and say, elders, it would be a great day trip for you to organise for us all. Yeah? Coach trip. I'm up for that. Verses 3 to 5 quote King Cyrus's letter of confirmation. Yes, the work can proceed and... The gold and silver articles that King Nebuchadnezzar nicked from the temple, they can be returned as well. That's incredible. In verses 6 to 12, King Darius goes on to say that the rebuilding work is not to be in interfered with and the expense of building it is going to be borne by the Persians. That's shocking. That's wonderful. And whatever they need for their sacrifices... To, to God, they will be provided by the Persians as well. There's a warning, though, in verse 11. If you mess with me, says King Darius, your house will be pulled down and you'll be impaled on a roof taken from the roof of your own house. So don't mess with me, says King Darius. I, Darius, have decreed it. Let it be carried out with diligence. So what had originally started out as an investigation to see if Cyrus had indeed given them permission turned out to be a, a, a thing that both provided miraculously for the, for the Jews and it protected them as well. That, 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 that's amazing. I hope you can grasp the enormity of this, that these two foreign kings, Cyrus of Persia and Darius of Persia, they both agreed to the release of thousands of slaves. Now, back in Egypt, 
a thousand years before. Under Moses, the, the Pharaoh wasn't keen on releasing slaves, was he? But these kings are. These two kings are fine with the, the release of these slaves that they can return home specifically to rebuild the temple and that the expense of the building work will be paid for the king and the animals will provide, be provided for the king and they'll be protected from interference by the king. This is huge. These are huge miracles that God has orchestrated. As, as David read earlier, isn't our God the God who says in Ephesians 3.20 that he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's within us. That's, that's what was happening here in Jerusalem. What a mighty God we serve. Yeah? What a mighty God we serve. So at last, the temple was completed. Bing. Close to 70 years after it had been destroyed by the Babylonians, when the children of Israel were carried off into captivity, the work was carried out, the Bible says, diligently. And they were, the people were encouraged by the preaching of Haggai and Zechariah. The Ark of the Covenant, you know, which was stored in the Holy of Holies in the temple, that contained the original Ten Commandments that God gave Moses. It contained a jar of manna, which the, the people ate in the desert, and the staff of Moses that budded. Now that Ark of the Covenant, that had long since disappeared. They didn't have that anymore. But instead of weeping over what they didn't have, they rejoiced over what they did have. They were, to quote, they were God's people in God's land under God's rule and enjoying his blessings. They really were. So the temple was rebuilt, signifying that their relationship with Almighty God, which had been broken, remember, that's why they were taken into exile, because they'd stopped worshipping God. Their relationship with God was being restored. Praise God, he is the God of fresh starts. He gave the children of Israel a fresh start two and a half thousand years ago. And if you've wandered away from him, then he'll give you a fresh start as well. He's the God who loves to say, yes, sorry, great, let's start again. It's a wonderful God who loves you. So going back to my, my intro, what makes you smile? What brings you great joy in your heart? If you're as fickle as me, then it's the pretty lights on a new kettle. What about you? What brings you deep joy in your heart? Is it your, your favourite TV programme? Is it your family? Is it a music performance? Is it your, your sports team winning? All these things are good and valid, but they can never bring lasting joy because they were never designed to bring lasting joy. Only God can bring the lasting joy of knowing that he's always on your side. He is the faithful one who loves you deeply. He's prepared a glorious place in heaven for you because of a simple faith in his son. Now, it may be that you have little to be joyful about today. You, you, may, you may live in constant pain. You may have family issues. You may have lost someone dear to you recently. 
So how do you get your joy back? Well, in Ezra 6, we see the people rejoicing with, with great joy. In chapter six, in verse 16, read it with me, please. Verse 16, right in the very bottom corner of page 477. Verse 16, then the people of Israel, the priests, the Levites, and the rest of the exiles celebrated the dedication of the house of God with joy. They celebrated with joy. And verse 22, for seven days they celebrated with joy the festival of unleavened bread because the Lord had filled them with joy by changing the attitude of the king of Assyria so that he assisted them in the work on the house of God, the God of Israel. These people who had recently been slaves in Babylon, in a foreign land, they were now celebrating with great joy their relationship with Almighty God that had been restored by his gracious hand. Now these people were not wealthy. They, they, their homes were still broken down. The city walls had not yet been rebuilt. They were technically still under Persian rule. But they were right with God again. And that was their reason for great joy. It was God himself who filled them with great joy. They wanted to celebrate the rebuilding of the temple because God was rebuilding them. God was rebuilding their faith in him again. He was restoring their relationship with him because he loved them. Because he loved them. And their source of joy can be your source of joy as well. So that when life is tough, and it may be very tough for you right now, when life is tough, remember that God's repair work through the Lord Jesus brings us eternal joy. In Ezra 6, the people were full of joy and the source of their joy is still available to you through the Lord Jesus Christ. Their source of joy is our source of joy as well. Through faith in the Lord Jesus, we can be restored to the relationship with God we were made for but was broken because of our sin. In John chapter 2, the Lord Jesus referred to himself as the temple. The Jews responded to Jesus, What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? And Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, But it's taken 46 years to rebuild this temple and you are going to build it again in three days? But the temple he spoke of was his body. Jesus is the real temple, the place where God dwells. Jesus is the place where we can meet with God. Through Jesus, our relationship with God is restored. And through Jesus, we can give our offerings and sacrifices. Not, not lambs, not doves, not goats, but sacrifices of praise, sacrifices of prayer, sacrifices of time, sacrifices of giving our money, sacrifices of giving, sacrifices of loving God and loving one another. All of these sacrifices are available to you. And as you make these sacrifices to God, your joy meter will rise. The burden of your guilt 
will be removed as you confess your sin to the one who bore them on the cross. 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Lavished is a wonderful word, isn't it? It's a one of great depth. It's lavished is not... Lavished is not a ham sandwich for lunch. Lavished is being invited to a royal banquet. That's what we're implying here. This is the love that God has lavished upon you and I. This is the imagery God wants you to understand of how deeply he loves you. So if you're struggling right now, please pray that the Holy Spirit will fill you with great joy because of the love that he's lavished upon you. So number one, the restoration of the Passover brings great joy. Read with me, please, from verse 19 of Ezra 6. <coughs> Excuse me. Ezra 6, verse 19. On the 14th day of the first month, the exiles celebrated the Passover. The priests and Levites had purified themselves and were all ceremonially clean. The Levites slaughtered the Passover lamb for all the exiles, for their relatives, the priests, and for themselves. So the Israelites who had returned from the exiles ate it together with all who had separated themselves from the unclean practices of their Gentile neighbors in order to seek the Lord, the God of Israel. For seven days they celebrated with joy the Feast of Unleavened Bread because the Lord had filled them with joy by changing the attitude of the king of Assyria so he assisted them in the work on the house of God, the God of Israel." It's good to remember, isn't it? It's good to remember. It's good to remember birthdays. It's really not good if you forget birthdays. It's really good to remember wedding anniversaries. Personally, I'm a great fan of celebrating wedding anniversaries. A wedding anniversary means that two sinners have lived together for another year without killing themselves. And I think that's a wonderful thing to be uh, to be celebrated. That's a, that's a big deal. Every November the 11th, what do we remember? What do we remember every year on November the 11th? Please don't, please don't say Guy Fawkes. That's, 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 that's on the 5th. Remembrance Day. Remembrance Day as we remember those who've paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. It's good to look back and remember great events of the past. So as the people in Ezra 6 celebrated the Passover, they, their minds will have been transported back a thousand years earlier when they remembered the Lord's mercy upon them when the, 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 their, their ancestors were slaves in Egypt under Pharaoh. And how... Through Mo God told Moses that they, they must paint the doorposts of their houses with blood. And then the angel of death would pass over their houses. Quite literally, they were saved by the blood of a lamb. Has anybody here been saved by the blood of a lamb? Under Moses' leadership, 
They escaped that night from captivity in Egypt. That was the first exodus. So now, the, the, this would take, this, as they celebrated in Ezra 6, as they pass, celebrated the Passover for the first time, they would now remember that they'd just left slavery in Persia. So this, this was a second exodus. They went straight into, a, after the Passover, they went straight into a seven-day celebration of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Man, these guys were really party animals, weren't they? They celebrated for seven full days. And they, uh, they will have remembered how under Moses, the people baked bread with unleavened, without leaven, or yeast as we usually call it, because they didn't have time for the yeast to rise on that night of the first exodus. So they ate bread and they drank wine to remember their redemption, that they'd been brought out of slavery with great joy. So we too can remember our redemption. We remember how Jesus was judged in our place. We remember that with joy. We remember that the Lamb of God was slain for you and me. Remember that the, the day of judgment will pass over us if we are Christians. So we can think of, we can think of the great joy there is in knowing God and doing so that God would do so, something so dramatic and effective to give us a living hope and great joy. Colossians chapter 1 says, Give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of our sins. So our lasting joy is not to be found in the things of this world, particularly in the things that you can buy. You'll never find lasting joy in them. Our lasting joy is in the place where God... Sorry, our lasting joy is in the place where your heart rests in God as he watches over you as he continues to love you. Like the temple, your relationship with God was in ruins, but is now permanently repaired through the finished work of the Lord Jesus. Remember what great love is the love of God for you. Remember with great joy what the Lord Jesus has done for you. So be filled with joy because of the love that's been lavished upon you to the praise of his holy name. Amen.